I'm doing great, Fultz. How are you? I'm doing excellent, too. That was just uh, my way of segueing into, or my introduction into the multiverse, and that was me doing the Subtle Beast introduction in every multiverse or every universe if you will i gotta say it sounded awesome well i'm glad i mean we were looking to uh try something out a little bit different uh me and steve were found this uh little little tool to help us with a couple different creative things so we wanted to try it out tonight and what better way than on the night that we're going to be discussing the multiverse because it's an extremely interesting topic it can go in so many different ways um, we've done similar podcasts in the past when we did Parallel Universe. I believe that was probably ooh, probably close to three years ago. Yeah, it was. But still a great episode nonetheless. If you haven't heard that, you should definitely go and uh, check that out. Uh, but before we before we jump into tonight, Steve, what's uh like? What's your take like on the multiverse? What are your beliefs, or you got any anything you want to add or clarify or add or talk about? I do. Um, my belief on the multiverse has recently changed. Um, well, actually, let's. Do you have a definition of multiverse before we get into it? Yeah, that's not. That's a. That's a good idea. So, for anybody that's really not familiar with the multiverse, the multiverse is a hypothetical group of multiple universes. Together, these universes compromise everything that exists, the entirety of space, time, matter energy, information, and the physical laws and constants that describe them. So basically, everything multiplied times infinity, basically. Outwardly. I, I, I'm, I agree with a lot of that. <clears throat> there is a part of uh, the research that we did that kind of directs me into a different direction. Okay. So with the multiverse, and it, I mean, it's a theoretical place, outside of our universe where other universes exist. And we go over a lot of different ways to explain it. Um, and there's, there's two ways to break it down in a, in a larger scope. So one of the ways is that there is an infinite amount or an infinite number of other universes out there. Um, I, I don't necessarily believe that. I believe that there may, in fact, be multiple universes out, maybe out of the boundaries of our universe. There may be, in, in a circular area around it, another universe out there, like a recreation or um, like a, the, a pattern repeating itself. But I think that there is a finite amount of universes that are out there encompassing our universe. So maybe there are duplicates of us out there 
but I don't think that it is an infinite supply of them. I think that we would have maybe you know around us maybe a dozen other universes, and maybe there is you know a number of U's out there, but I don't think that there is an infinite amount. So do you think that, well, let's just say with, uh, we'll, we'll go with the number that you were using 12 just to, to keep it simple. So are you saying that you think that there's, uh, like exact replicas all up into these 12 different universes or on one spectrum, it's completely different than like say one, one is different than 12 completely or right. And that's, that is a, a tough question because you would think like if you walked into a fun house into the the house of mirrors you would think that there could possibly be exact replicas of you out there but i don't think that the way the universe is set up is for exact replicas i think that out there there is you, you may be at a place of origin in the middle and in a dozens are just a round number so say you're the you that you recognize and that is in your reality and your universe is kind of in the middle of those 12 and call that 12 a spectrum. Maybe on the, the right hand side of the spectrum is a, a version of you directly next to you. So not the whole way out to the end of 12, but like the one that's right next to you, maybe a version of you that took maybe a darker path. Or maybe on the left of gotcha. you is is a version of you that took a lighter path. And and I'm just using darkness and light. You could use maybe goodness and evil or just, just different paths, but a, a kind of like a, from a spectrum point of view. So if you get the whole way out to the end of that version of you, maybe you're... So you could explain it like uh, you're walking down the street, you see a homeless person that's in, in bad shape, real bad shape, and, and you look down and, and it's you, you know, but like a, a completely different version of you, um, maybe from like the far, farthest part of the bad version of, of this from the origin, or maybe you uh, get to meet yourself on the other side of the spectrum and whatever you deem to be goodness or light is on that side of the spectrum. So maybe you meet yourself and you're a, an amazingly kind person, if that's what you think, or amazingly hopeful or any of the good traits that go along with humanity. Maybe that version of yourself is on the other side. So I, I do believe that there is a cutoff point. Maybe it's not 12, maybe it's 20, but there is a cutoff point to that and then there are versions of yourself. I just don't think that it goes on in infinity. Well, I like it. I mean, I mean it's, it's just one of those topics where you can just talk about it. And I mean, as you were well, telling, you, I, I was just going to say, as you were telling that, I had like multiple different thoughts going through my head that I was actually sidetracking even myself in <laughs> you, thoughts. Yeah. Do you have, you have some thoughts there on it? You know what? I got a story. I think I'm gonna send. I'm gonna save it for uh, Ooh. close to the end. It's, Fultz uh, is gonna save it. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, Steve's never even heard this story. I I think only like members of my family did, but it's uh, it definitely is in the uh, the era of multiverse slash parallel universe wow. slash time slip slash 
Well, we'll get into it then. But so obviously tonight we're talking about the multiverse. So we here at Subtle Beast, we love this topic because it basically comes up in one form or another every time we're in the studio. It does too. Prepping for whatever show. You name a show, we could have been prepping for 9-11 and the show and multiverse would come up in in, in some fashion. But uh, we're here to finally... To, to put it on it's been almost three years since we did a similar like we were saying at the beginning the parallel universe so we're gonna break it down and a lot of times when when Fultz and i are prepping for a show we'll say things like do you think or um you know what's your opinion um because it differs often often it is the same but that always comes up as an answer um so it'll for example what do you think and then i'll give an answer and i'll i'll look over to Fultz like do you think the same thing and he'll say possibly in a in a multiverse right so yeah. it does come up quite often so it doesn't put it out of the realm of uh possibilities because uh they have built these mega computers and uh, what, are the, what are they calling those? those the uh, quantum computers yes. where they were saying, I think it might have been like on a TED Talk or something like that, that these quantum computers, they search for the answers and they don't stop until they can find them. And if, if they can't find them in our reality, or you will, or, or our universe or our parallel, it goes outwards and finds them in another parallel universe or multiverse. And this guy's just talking openly, like, this is how this gets done. And I'm just like, and people are questioning whether the Mandela effect is real and things of that nature. That is one of the things about um, the multiverse is that it's become so popular in pop culture that it's kind of being accepted as a possible theory of reality. Oh, it's definitely taken taken seriously and, and especially within physics and quantum physics and uh, Stephen Hawking he was definitely he was a huge fan it was his last I believe his last paper right yeah one of his last works were dealing within within the multiverse so but we're gonna try and crack crack the nut tonight if you will and uh, see what we can see what we can find out about the multiverse and you know maybe we'll all learn something new together so First thing we're going to do is uh, we have a subtle beast style. We got a nice uh, 10 reasons the uh, the multiverse is a real possibility. Steve, you want to kick us off? I sure do. So back in 1954, a 27-year-old Princeton University graduate student named Hugh Everett III was drinking sherry with some friends and shooting the bull about physics. During the conversation, Everett got a wild idea about how to fix one of the most deviling problems in quantum mechanics, which looks at how reality functions at the microscopic level. In quantum theory, an elementary particle, such as an electron, doesn't exist in a single state, but rather in a superposition. That is, a multiplicity of locations, velocities, and orientations. But in the macroscopic level of things, we can observe and experience 
objects seem to exist in just one state at a time. How does our world result from all these possibilities? Everett, a creative thinker, if there ever was one, got a brainstorm that was once both brilliant and bizarre. Here's a greatly oversimplified version. Instead of a single reality where everything existed in just one of its many possible states, Everett imagined a multiverse full of different realms in which all the possibilities dictated by quantum mechanics could exist at once. Everett's idea, which became the subject of his 1957 doctoral thesis, was so offbeat that he had difficult getting it published in a scientific journal, an experience that reportedly led him so disgruntled that he quit theoretical physics altogether and took a research job at the Pentagon. But in the decades that followed, Everett's notion of a multiverse has gradually gained credibility among physicists. Moreover, it's ensconced itself in popular culture as a frequent theme in science fiction and become a subject of fascination for scores of ordinary folks who don't know or care anything about the nuances and paradoxes of quantum theory. After all, it's mind-blowing to imagine that every choice we make in life, from the person we marry, where we live, what color we dye our hair, what we eat for lunch all spawns a separate universe in which another version of ourselves did something different. So, do we live in a multiverse? We can't say for sure, but here's 10 reasons why it's a possibility that we should take seriously. Okay, here we go. There's no need to worry about Schrodinger's cat. Now, before Everett and this concept of multiverses came along, physicists were stuck in a bedeviling bind. They had to use one set of rules for the subatomic world that quantum mechanics focuses upon, and another set of rules for the large-scale, everyday world that we can see and experience. <clears throat> the complexity of this shift in scale forces them to twist their brains into some strange shapes. <coughs> Pardon me. For example, in quantum mechanics, particles don't have set properties when no one's looking at them. Instead, their nature is described by something called a wave function, which includes all of the different possible properties that a particle could have. But in a single universe, all those properties can't exist at once. So when you look at a particle, it settles upon one single state. Now that idea is illustrated metaphorically by the famous by the famous Schrodinger's cat paradox. That is, if there's a cat in a box, it's both alive and dead at the same time, until you open the box to check. Your action forces the cat to become either warm, breathing kitty, or carcass. Now, but in a multiverse, you don't have to fray that you're going to kill the cat with your curiosity. Instead, whenever you, you open the box, reality splits into two versions. Sure, there's one realm in which you're thinking, ew, you gazed at a dead cat. But there's another version of the event in which you might be scratching the cat's ears as it purrs. That one's crazy. I'm so glad that that was number one, the first one that we went over on the list, because it, it explains the quantum part of the entire, th the entire issue immediately. Sure does. The cat in the box is both dead and alive at the same time. Until you look. It's great. It's a, it's, uh, so the second one here, it's a way for reality to be infinite. 
In a 2011 interview, Columbia University physicist Brian Greene uh, wrote a book, The Hidden Reality, Parallel Universes, and the Deep Laws of the Cosmos. He explained that we're not really sure how big the universe is. It could be really, really huge, but infinite. Oh, but finite, but could have ends to it. Or else, as you travel away from Earth in any direction, space could just stretch on forever, which is probably the way that most of us imagine it. But if space is infinite, that means it must be a multiverse with infinite parallel realities, according to Green. Here's the reasoning. Think of the universe and all of the matter in it as the equivalent of a deck of cards. Just as there are only 52 cards in a deck, there are only so many different forms of matter. If you shuffle the deck enough times, eventually the order of the cards you deal must repeat itself. Similarly, in an infinite universe, matter eventually would have to repeat itself and arrange itself in a similar pattern. A multiverse with an endless number of parallel realms containing similar but slightly different versions of everything provides a neat, easy way to accommodate the need for repetition. Wow. Well, I guess, you know, it's an interesting way of looking at it because if you believe, like, <clears throat> everything that takes place on the Earth is cyclical and everything that takes place with the planet rotations and, and the moon's gravitational pull and, and everything like that. If it, everything's in harmony, but it's also cyclical, well, you'd have to think that the repetition would be part of the multiverse and it's ever expanding infinite parallel realities. And I'm with you. So here's the third thing is it explains how the universe begins and ends. Now, there's something about being human, perhaps our brain's tendency for pattern formation, that makes us want to know the beginning and the end of every story. And that includes the story of the universe itself. But if the Big Bang was the start of the universe, how was it triggered? And what existed before it? Will the universe someday end? And what will happen after that? Well, inquiring minds want to know. A multiverse could provide an explanation for all those things. Some physicists have hypothesized that the infinite regions of the multiverse are something called brain worlds. Now, these brain worlds exist in many different dimensions, but we can't detect them because we can only perceive the three dimensions of space, plus the fourth dimension of time in our own brain world. Now, some physicists believe that these brain worlds are slabs, bunched together like slices of bread inside a plastic bag. Now, most of the time, they stay separate and out of reach, but occasionally, the brain worlds bump into each other. Now, hypothetically, those collisions are cataclysmic, enough to cause repeated Big Bangs, enabling the parallel universes to restart themselves over and over and over. Nice. Yeah. It's getting, uh, it's getting deep. So, Observational evidence suggests a multiverse could exist. The European Space Agency's Planck Orbital Observatory is gathering data on the Cosmic Microwave Background, or CMB, background radiation that still lingers from an early hot stage of the universe's existence. But that research has also yielded what could be evidence of a multiverse. In 2010, a team of scientists from Great Britain, Canada, and the U.S. discovered four odd, seemingly unlikely circular patterns in the CMB. 
they hypothesized that the marks essentially were bruises that our universe got from bumping into other universes. In 2015, ESA researcher Rang Ram Shari made a similar discovery. Shari took a model of the CMB out of the observatory's picture of the sky and then removed everything else that we knew about, such as stars, gas, interstellar dust, and, and you name it, everything. At that point, the sky should have been pretty much empty, except for some background noise. But it wasn't. Instead, in a particular frequency range, Chari could detect scattered patches in the map of the cosmos, areas that were about 4,500 times brighter than they should have been. The research came up with another possible explanation. The patches are imprints from a collision between our universe and a parallel one. As Chari told EarthSky.org, unless someone comes up with a better or another way to explain the patches, one has to conclude that nature may be playing dice after all, and we were just a random universe among a multitude of others. Wow. There's a little scientific evidence for yeah, you. Yeah, going in all kinds of directions. I love it. Well, I'm not going to slow, slow it down at all. The universe is too big to rule out that parallel realities don't exist. Now, there's a possibility that a multiverse exists, even though we haven't seen any of those parallel realities because we can't prove that it doesn't exist. We know that sounds like a convenient a rhetorical trick, but think of it this way. Even in our world, we've discovered many things that we've previously didn't know existed, and we've had events occur. Now, the 2008 global financial meltdown is a good example that nobody ever had thought possible. There's even a name for that latter. Black Swan events, named after the philosopher David Hume's observation that people would assume all swans were white until they saw a black one. The universe's scale is the factor that makes the possibility of the multiverse all the more believable. We know that the universe is really, really big and the possibly even infinite in size. That means we may not be able to detect everything that exists in the universe. Since scientists have determined that the universe is approximately 13.8 billion years old, that means we can only detect light that has been able to reach us in that time. If a parallel reality simply was farther away than 13.8 billion light years, there would be no way for us to know if it was out there, even if it existed in dimensions that we were capable of perceiving. You know, that was the first time that I... Got to hear the Black Swan theory. It, it's really interesting. And it, there was a movie, a famous you know movie that was just released within the last five years called The Black Swan, but I had never actually heard the, the theory be behind it. I really think it's cool. Yeah, I mean, was the movie on the same type of premise? I know that, I think she was crazy. Yeah, it was, it was a, a ballet dancer that kind of lost it, lost track of reality. Love it. So... <laughs> <laughs> If you're an atheist, a multiverse makes more sense. As Stanford University physicist Andre Lindy explained in a 2008 interview, if the physical world operated by even slightly different rules, life would not be able to exist. If protons were just 0.2% more massive than they actually are, for example, they'd be so unstable that they would break up into, simil into simpler particles, and atoms wouldn't be possible. 
And if gravity was just a bit more powerful, the result would be woeful. Stars, such as our sun, would be compressed tightly enough that they would burn through their fuel within a few million years, long before life on a planet such as Earth had a chance to evolve. This is known as the fine-tuning problem. Some see that precise balance of conditions as evidence of the deliberate hand of a supreme being who created everything, which would put atheists in a serious bind. But the possibility of a multiverse in which this might simply be the particular realm in which we all live in and that gives us these life-giving factors are present. As Lindy put it in an interview with Discover Magazine, for me, the reality of many universes is a logical possibility. You might say, maybe this is some mysterious coincidence. Maybe God created the universe for our benefit. Well, I don't know about God, but the universe itself might reproduce itself eternally in all its possible manifestations. And that was Andre Lindy from Stanford University. That's a a pretty interesting outlook on it. Um, You could kind of say, well, is the universe reproducing itself all the time in many different manifestations, trying to get not necessarily me, but mankind per se, to get some objective right. And when you don't, and, the, and, and, and they're running all kinds of, it's like having like a bunch of different like tabs open on your computer. They're running b- different versions going on. I'm like, okay, they're not getting it right. Keep expanding until this one universe. They're like, they got it. Finally. Right. Everybody did it right. Yeah. But who knows if, it, or could they be, able to come up with time travel and uh, see if they can't mess up history. Let's see. The enduring popularity of the Back to the Future movie trilogy has made a lot of us fascinated with the idea of time travel. Now, since the movies came out, nobody actually has developed a trash powder DeLorean that's able to zoom back and forth between decades or centuries. Even so, some scientists think that time travel might be at least theoretically possible. Now, assuming that this could happen, we could run the same danger that the Back to the Future protagonist Marty McFly encountered, the risk of an inadvertently doing something to alter a past event, which in turn triggers a series of events to alter the course of history. Now, in the initial Back to the Future, as you might remember, McFly accidentally prevented an event that led to his parents... dating and falling in love which threatened to erase him from the family's snapshots now that necessitated a lot of plotting and mcfly's part to ensure that they actually did get together and procreate but as gizmodo writer george dvorsky noted in 2015 article the existence of a multiverse would make all of those antics unnecessary the presence of alternate worlds means that there isn't a single timeline to screw up, he wrote. Instead, if a person went back in time and changed things, he'd simply spawn a whole new set of parallel universes. Thank goodness. Yeah, but it, I would have to think, well, if that's the case, if, you, if you're going back in time, but you just went back in time into a different parallel universe, then how do you know that the present you're coming back to is your original timeline. So maybe things would be different for you. Yeah. Coming back. Right. Uh, I get, I'm with you on that because if you're going back in time and you're going to end up 
you know what I'm saying, in, in, in a different time, right? A different reality than, or a different multiverse than if you're going forward again, it could happen. Yeah, I mean, if, if just you like make, Doc Brown said, because a skew in the time space time continuum. If if you're gonna make a a uh, multiverse jump, then you're dead on with with your thoughts. But if you stay in that same timeline, if you stay in your own reality in your own plane, then it's cool to think that you could that the butterfly effect wouldn't occur. That uh, the same thing that Marty McFly with you know his parent him be getting erased from the picture, his parents never meeting at the enchantment under the sea dance and uh and falling in love well they didn't meet there but that's where the magic happened and uh in that reality right so i think it's cool to have an out or like a blow-off valve where you're like well we can now fathom time travel and not have to worry about the paradox of me messing up touching something and messing up the the future forever so i think that's a cool yeah i I would I would hope that if if and when time travel was created and made possible that you would just be like basically sending your energy back there so you would just you you could observe but nobody would know that you're there but you could see it play thing see things play out clear as day it'd almost be like your own like movie theater but to you it'd be in real time of real events that really took place. You would never be in any type of harm per se. I don't know. And you wouldn't be able to affect anything. I, I like the concept. Yeah, because you don't know. This is like, this was somebody's theory that you're in some other multiverse. So don't worry about messing anything up. Well, then you could just, if you, if you believe that, then you could be extremely reckless. I would think at some point you would change something. Right. And also when we discuss, uh, interstellar travel, Often we discuss traveling as a, as an energy and not as a physical being. True. So that would kind of go along. It seems like the the direction of interstellar travel and and possibly interdimensional travel or or multi universe travel seems to be more or less not uh, more of an energy and not a physical being. Well, what about the possibility of? Uh some advanced civilization creating us for a civilization or a simulation. Well, also on that last thing, if you want to hear more about time travel, check out the subtle beast episode on time travel. Oh yeah. We had a great time doing that and uh, a lot of research into that. And it was actually really scientific. So I enjoyed that. And if you want to hear more about this next one, uh, tune into subtle beasts take on, uh, are, are we, we living? living in a simulation? Right, right. So, we might be uh, a simulation for an advanced civilization. All this stuff about parallel universes that we've been talking about so far is pretty mind-blowing, but the idea that we're coming up with now is even stranger. In 2003, philosopher Nick Bostrom, director of the Future of Humanity Institute at the University of Oxford, raised the question of whether what we think of reality is our particular universe that we live in is simply a digital simulation of another universe. In Bostrom's conception, it would take 10 to the 36th power calculations to create a lifelike detailed replica of the entirety of the human history. A really advanced alien civilization 
We're talking about beings whose technologies, whose technological sophistication would make us look like Paleolithic flint carvers, conceivably might have enough computing power to pull it off. In fact, simulating every human who ever lived might not even gobble up that much of their electronic resources, so that there might be more computer-generated beings in existence than real ones. And that might mean that we're living in an actual version of the digital world, like in the Matrix movies. But wait, it gets weirder. What if that civilization that's simulating us was also a simulation? Wow, that makes me that makes me think of uh, the episode that we just did, uh, Lucid. Yeah, like, like a dream within a dream. Yes. So, are we a simulation within a simulation? That's crazy. That's when you just like sparks just start frying out of your head trying to think about that kind of reality. It's it, it's part of that infinity. It's it just, is, but it, it's it's not something new because people have imagined multiverses since early times. Now, there isn't hard proof, but uh, it's intriguing to remember the, the old saying variously attributed to Picasso, uh, sometimes the writer Suzanne Sontag, that if you can imagine something, it must exist. And I'm a firm believer in that expression because... You know, uh, you know, raising my kids and and teaching them throughout, you know, growing up from being little, I used to, uh, I used to always say to them that uh, when they would ask me questions, um, well, for example, they would ask me like just as something general, do you think that this is possible? And I'm like, well, if you thought about it, then somebody else has definitely thought about it, so it must have existed at some place, at some point. Just like uh, there's been. Uh, um, technologies or inventions that were made over throughout the world that have been done at the exact same time, but without any way of these people being able to communicate. So it's really crazy. Now there might be something to it. After after all, long before Hugh Everett sipped his sherry, numerous people in history imagined different versions of a multiverse. Ancient Indian religious texts, for example, are filled with descriptions of multi, multiple parallel universes. And in her book, Worlds Without End, The Many Lives of the Universe, Westland University religion professor Mary Jane Rubinstein notes that the ancient Greeks had the autonomous school of philosophy, which held that there were infinite number of worlds scattered through a similarly infinite void. In medieval times, the idea of multiple universes also resonated. In 1277, for example, the Bishop of Paris even argued that the Greek philosopher Aristotle had been wrong to say that there was only one possible world, because that question in omnipotent God's power to create parallel ones. The idea was resurrected once again in the 1600s by Gottfried William Leibniz, one of the leaders of the scientific revolution, who argued that there were many possible worlds, each with different physics. Man, that's a trip back. That's very in-depth historical look at the concept. I mean, there has to. Well, I would think that there has to be worlds that exist with different physics because, well, maybe not necessarily different, but just physics that we haven't figured out yet. That's so a- there would be our physics. And then other physics as well. That takes us back to ancient Greeks and also medieval times. I like that one. 
Fultz. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Me too. So this this next one, it fits our pattern of knowledge about the universe. Bizarre as the notion of a multiverse might seem, in a way, it actually fits the progression through modern history of how humans view themselves and the universe. As physicists Alexander Vilken and Max Tegmark noted in 2011 Scientific American essay, people in the Western civilization have been successively more humbled as they've discovered the nature of reality. They started out thinking that the earth was the center of everything. We learned that this wasn't true and that even our solar system was just a not particularly significant part of the Milky Way. The multiverse would take that pattern to its logical extreme. If multiverses exist, that means that we're not that special at all because there are an infinite versions of each of us. But some think that we're just at the beginning of a mind-expanding trip. As Stanford University theoretical physicist Leonard Susskind has written, it could be uh, that a couple of centuries from now, philosophers and scientists will look back on our times as the golden age in which the narrow provincial 20th century concept of the universe gave way to a bigger, better multiverse of mind-blowing proportions. Crazy. Just cracking the surface here. Now we're going to talk a little bit about connecting to the multiverse and how our brains choose our experiences. Now, when Stephen Hawking was elected to the Lucasian Chair of Mathematics at Cambridge University, his inaugural lecture had an uh, ambitious title, Is the End in Sight for Theoretical Physics?, Now, Hawking suggested that science was close to accomplishing the ultimate goal, the unification of all laws of physics into one consistent framework that would encompass all reality. These theories such as holographic universe, unified field, and supersymmetry seem to to point to this. Now, research into neuroplasticity and neuropsychology not only fuse quantum mechanics into cutting-edge medicine, but appear to be providing breakthroughs in our understanding of consciousness and how we exist within the quantum field. Now, to quote Dr. Ian Weinberg, a consultant neurosurgeon at the Linksfield Park Clinic in Johannesburg, the non-locality dimension of the quantum environment represents a timeless and spaceless milieu in which matter, energy, frequency is in a state of constant flux. It has been shown that the process of human consciousness may convert and precipitate information from this quantum dimension into our five senses-based reality. This is termed collapsing the wave of possibilities. In other words, our consciousness is connected to the quantum dimension and downloads our information directly from it, collapsing the quantum wave of all possibilities into one we experience. We experience it via our brains. Hence, when people say we are the creators of our own reality, it might be more accurate to say we are the downloaders of that reality since all variations of it exist. Now, when we look at our evolution, it's plain as we have evolved, our understanding and ability to download has increased. We now proved that we can create new neural pathways in the brain. 
thus have affecting what we can download. In other words, changing our experiences. That's deep. That is really, really deep. I love it. Now, there's a Dr. Daryl Reaney, the acclaimed molecular biologist. He believes that the key to a unified theory lies not in physics, but inside our own brains, and that we may have reached the boundaries of what we can uh, understand by how simply our brains are constructed. He says, what lies before us is the final frontier, the mysterious border at which we are prevented from seeing more deeply into nature of things. Now, not by the construction of the world, but by the construction of ourselves. Now, in other words, in order to reach a better understanding of our universe, we may need to reach a new peak in our evolution. Now, Dr. Hameroff and Penrose are at the forefront of the study of quantum consciousness, and they've discovered that the neurons in the brain form microtubules, which compromise crystal-like lattice structure. Now, they pose it that it's these structures that allow quantum information to interface with the neural circuitry of our brains. Now, as these neural pathways evolve and produce more lattices, they may allow us to download more, thus increasing our understanding of the universe and altering our experiences within. Now, if time is something we've created to stop everything happening at once, then our brain also lacks the circuitry right now to prevent us from accessing all possible outcomes in every dimension in the multiverse. Now, as Daryl Reaney put it, the essence of human quest is to break free of time, to reconnect to the eternal in all of us. And in that space where the past and the future interleave, the reality laboratory of our own minds. Now, in the future, we may discover that our minds are not only designed to create our own reality, but to access every possible variation of it and to consciously choose which one we will experience. Want a different reality? Well, then just simply expand your mind. Fultz, do you think that we will ever be able to upload our consciousness to a computer? I don't know. Because they're talking there about consciousness and downloading it. But uh, I've often thought, will we ever get to that quantum plane where we've advanced so far in our electronics and our technology that we'll be able to upload our consciousness? I, I don't ever think that it will be possible. Yeah. I mean, we would have to evolve as a species dramatically because you first of all you'd have to you'd have to unify the world in in agreeing that we are conscious sentient beings and not just meat suits walking around you know chasing after the almighty dollar bill because you're going to have many different people of many different faiths religions races creeds whatever arguing and if you're arguing then we can't come to a consensus so we can never get to the root of what is consciousness. and I like that idea of being unified. I think that that would, that would need to occur. And I also think that there would need to be a portion of whatever machine, computer, that we were uploading it, I think would have to be biological. Like, I don't think that you could ever go 100% machine. I think that there would always need to be part of a biological maybe part of humanity 
still involved in it. I agree with that because there's there's an argument for AI by some scientists that say, how can you create the human brain with the human brain? Right. So, you know, it's up for debate. But we got uh, some more multiverse theories. Yeah. Let's kick them. So in our reading, <coughs> our mathematical universe by Max Tegmark, we came across the multiverse hypothesis in physics, which is a set of infinite universes that are predicted to exist because of the expansion of the universe along with the concepts of limitless space and limitless matter. Another more common term for this would be parallel universes. The experiences that we've written about uh, and that this author has written about in Life After Death Experiences, which is a website, and in a book, Beyond Heaven, have provided them with a unique insight into the multiverse theory. The near-death-like experiences during the various guided death meditations Uh, They've given this author a glimpse into what they believe is commonly called the Akashic Records. Now, if you haven't heard of the Akashic Records before, um, it's nothing we can explain real quick before getting back into the multiverse, but we did an entire episode on the Akashic Records. Definitely worth going to check out. If you think that the internet and the World Wide Web is impressive, check out the Akashic Records. So, for the rest of this article... I'm going to read it in, uh, in first person from the, ar- from the article's author's experience. So, I experienced a vast array of universes, which I called in my writings basketball universes, because they appeared to be their, that size when I viewed them from the void outside of space-time. They had a fuzzy, non-distinct edges, seemed to be ever-expanding, And when you examine them closely, you could see galaxies on their edges. Each basketball universe was a moment of now created by a particular human being using a pattern of reality. I'm now calling that pattern the morphothesine. That's good. Yeah, morphothesine. Something like that. Morphothesine, which is a term I first came across in Lewis Monroe's book, demystifying the out-of-body experience. Uh, Morphothocene is a thought cloud of reality created and shared by living things. In other words, the particles of energy that make up the physical world form together to create our universe based on consciousness, desire combined with non-physical energy. If you Google the word multiverse, and then search for images, you will see countless examples of what I saw in my death meditation experiences. It is exciting to me that physics and metaphysics have arrived at this same version of the ultimate nature of reality, and based on my experience, this concept of multiple copies of the universe is the underlying truth of our existence. Dang. That's crazy. That is, yeah, that's all in. So... Let's see. Now, there are a variety of different level of universes in the multi multiverse theory and physics. Now, they range from copies of existing universes where there is a copy of you and me to universes that try out every imaginable structure where the laws and physics are different than they are for us. Now, the simplest version 
is that our universe is spherical and is expanding in every direction at speeds faster than the speed of light. At the same time, there appear to be points of light, galaxies, for example, that are further away from us than, est uh, than estimated age, our universe, since the Big Bang. Now, several studies have been conducted to map the sky in opposite directions to determine whether we, we see the same distant galaxies in both directions. So far, scientists have not found any duplications. Now, from what, what I, now this is still the author. Now, from what I experienced examining the basketball universes during the death meditation process, it does not appear to be possible to see the next parallel universe while existing inside another one. It requires venturing into the void outside of space-time in order to see the array of the universes. And while I believe there are other incredible versions of the universe that have completely different physics than our own, created by the thought clouds of advanced spiritual beings, when I viewed the array of basketball universes, they all appear to share our current laws of physics. There appears to be almost an infinite number of them preserve, preserving forever each moment of now. Thus, many copies of you and me in these universes, some for the past and some for the probable futures. And while I said this was not possible to see another universe while living inside one, I do think they share energy. Now, from my own experiences, I believe that particles of energy can move between universes. For example, antimatter is just matter that has been recycled from a previous or future universe. The same can be said for dark energy and dark matter. The source of energy from the void may be just, just be past or future universe right next door. Now, in my death meditation experiences, I saw life energy moving from one basketball universe to another. As living being moved from past experiences into future experiences, I do not believe that scientists currently have any multiverse theories theories that describe how we bounce from one multiverse to another. Instead, all the various universes are just mathematical probabilities. When the multiverses are viewed from the void outside of space-time, this point of view helps to explain many of the psychic phenomena that metaphysics explores like clairvoyance and telekinesis and visitations from the spirit world. Now, in addition... I believe that the multiverse or the basketball universes that fill the Akashic field are also the underlying reality of the human concept of heaven. It is a place where you can access and relive every moment of your life and the lives of every being who has ever lived. Now, in addition, you can experience all the limitless possibilities for things that could have happened but didn't in the experienced universe. That's why I find the multiverse theories to be so enlightening. They paint a picture of a fundamental reality that I experienced, and they validate that what I experienced was something more than a mere hallucination. Do you remember uh, Men in Black with the galaxy is on Orion's belt? Yes. I think that was such a great depiction of this type of thought, where this, this author is talking about basketball size uh, conglomerations where a galaxy is held it's when they finished that and they showed the actual um cat and the ball that was on like the uh collar yeah it was like a little keychain right it, that was so cool because they just kind of zoom in through the the keychain and the little ball into this this galaxy and i thought that was a great graphic depiction of what we're talking about. I've thought about that many times during during 
the research of this. Also, I think that when they were talking about the dark matter, the dark energy and the dark matter, and also that kind of makes me think of uh, wormholes in the universe, or like a black me hole. Too. And I always thought, and I'm sure that I thought this because of what I've seen on movies, but you always think that someone getting sucked into the gravita- gravitational pool of a black hole could somehow access a wormhole when they get into the middle of that. Sure. I've always thought that. So both of those things are kind of what, what it reminded me of there. Now, we live in a multiverse of multiverses, but what does that say about us? So how do you tell the story of your life? Is it a long chain of choices made or made or not made of happenstance and luck and right places at the right time? Maybe it feels reactionary, like things happen to you and you parried left or right and waited for the next offense. Now, are you who you are because of that story or is that story a result of you? The answer, of course, has to be both, or also neither. Watching Natasha Lyonne chain smoke her way through Netflix's Russian doll and navigate unsettling time loops in what may or may not be the afterlife, Harry Nilsson, bless him, echoing somewhere in the background, or catching the long-awaited return of the OA, which is Fultz's, Fultz loves the OA. I'm down with the OA. It becomes difficult to shake that feeling. There are important things hiding in plain sight. Loose threads around the edges of our existence that were all meant to be pulled. In this universe, here in this last chapter of the decade, we dream of upside downs and spider verses. That upside down is a Netflix... uh, Strange thing, Stranger Things. Reference, yeah. Right. And uh, that Spider-Verses was a good one, too. That was Spider-Man. Of rips in the fabric of our reality, we gladly descend into metaphorical matrashakas, tearing open our own chest to see what's inside. We consider the validity of interdimensional travelers unlocking the infinite with near-death experiences and synchronized movements with near-religious fervor. Even the Twilight Zone is back. Why, why is it, though? What are we trying to tell ourselves? Well, I think the idea of the multiverse informs both scientific and spiritual, and they've permeated our imagination from the moment that the word sprang into being. It was in uh, 1895 from the mouth of American psychologist William James. Now, it's a heady industrial time. Bikes raged so hard into the zeitgeist that they inspired a guy named Herbert George Wells or H.G. Wells to dream up a machine that would whisk you back and forth through time. James may not have have meant the term as we take it today, but as both scientific rabbit hole to be proved or disproved or a never-ending creative buffet, but by 1960s, the multiverse idea had become reoccurring literary motif. Isaac Asimov Foundation series and C.S. Lewis and his coat-filled portal and Philip K. Dick Nightmarish's alternate histories and many, many more in the years to follow. If you want to know more about Philip K. Dick, did a whole episode on him. A fantastic episode too. Oh yeah, you, you almost can't get enough of it. 
Now, modern storytelling is what you might call a multiverse of multiverses. The multiverse loosely is the concept that our universe is only one of an infinite number, stacked like slices of bread or woven like a quilt or squished right up against one another. Like that scene, you're still not totally sure you get from Interstellar where Matthew McConaughey communicates using Morse code from the fourth dimension. Shades of it can be seen in everything from science fiction to fantasy to simulated reality like the matrix now the many worlds interpretation uh, it's known in quantum circles tells us we have multiple selves living out every possible timeline overlapped in the same physical space but destined to never meet now there's no path not taken but whether or not it's possible to jump into another iteration of your life or casually slip into another dimension is beside the point we have a habit of treating or creative visions of prophetic as prophetic by turning the dial a fraction of a degree in either direction we imagine worlds strange enough to shed a new meaning on on the one we inhabit but whether or not we dream the multiverse or if we're just living in it what are we actually doing when the picture of ourselves in other when we picture ourselves in other realities in novelist Kate Hope Day's debut, If Then, released in March, four neighbors in a small town clustered around the base of a dormant volcano begin to catch glimpses of themselves in those parallels. It's a handful of paths not taken as potential gatecrashers upsetting notions of self and spearing impulsive action and paranoia and unflinching honesty. The effect is unsettling in print and haunting once applied to real life. How to react, for instance, if an, if another you if another you entered the room when you thought you were alone, if they couldn't seem to see or hear you, but almost seemed to sense you before they disappeared. Even further, what to make of the possibility that this life, the one in which you're reading these lines, might be one such apparition for another another you and so on and it's a visual manifestation of that thought we all have from time to time the dangerously alluring what ifs another another you yeah another another you i love it man now it. for day the initial seeds of if then sprang from more personal ground than dense metaphysical theory new motherhood specifically their early days when the concepts of self and time melt into the matting blob of reforms into something unfamiliar, the central emotional impulse behind the book was trying to understand the, w the way having a child splits you in two, says Day as she watches a rare snowfall outside the window in the corner of Oregon. Now, after completing a doctorate and preparing for a life in academia she found her world beginning to split with the arrival of her first child and a move across country i suddenly always needed to be in two places at once or i wanted to be i had been working now i wasn't i wanted to be with my son but i wanted to spend time with my husband in in the way that we had i had always been interested in the idea of parallel realities but i don't think it felt personal until that moment day partly anchored her story around the theories of Model realism, which grants any possible world the same level of plausibility as our own. 
I was really interested in the idea that if you can write the sentence, it's true, she says. The best argument for the multiverse is the fact that we exist. If evolution thrives on infinite possibilities, the fact that we're having this conversation is an argu argument in favor of it. There's an environmental unease that winds even tighter through the pages of If and Then. Micro tremors from the mountains shake the ground upsettling the pilings of reality, allowing its intricate, infinite web to bubble up from beneath the surface. The earth knows things. Days seem to suggest things that we're running out of time to decipher. The words alternate reality have just been spoken more over the last few years. I think we're in a moment where a lot of people are uncomfortable being in linear time, especially in terms of climate change, she says. Time just keeps going on, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's an anxiety around what alternatives are. She's right. Statistically speaking, crime rates continue to fall, and the quality of life continues to improve over time. But people continue to talk about how the, the world feels increasingly violent and unpredictable. The breadth and speed at which we consume information has altered our perception of danger and of consequence. Who are we in this vast teeming human race? We know our planet is on fire and our oceans bob with plastic, but we can't seem to agree on how to rewrite what we've done. Everyday life in our country and culture right now feels surreal and fueled by paranoia. The Russian doll director and co-creator Leslie Headland writes in an email to the Chronicle the idea that somewhere in an alternate dimension or timeline, our souls have already worked through whatever we needed to resolve here, and right past wrongs is pretty appealing. The multiverse as an interval solve is, is perhaps a new function, where before the concept reflected new horizons brought by advances in technology or warnings about the fragility or victory of political recklessness, one comfort of these contemporary narratives is confirmation that none of this is, is fixed. All we had to do is act, and we'd have, in essence, herald a new dimension. How else do you notice the detail of your own life? I think that's what great fiction does. Day says, books or shows the or shows that engage with this question can really sharpen your eye to the thing that you might not have noticed. And those things are the best things about being human, I think. Very interesting. Totally. I love the pop culture references in there. Yeah, I mean, it definitely goes deep. Uh, but I, I, I like her outlook. I, I like her I like her book. I, I haven't seen Russian Dolls yet. Oh, Russian Dolls is a great show. You should definitely check it out. We won't discuss it because uh we don't want any spoiler alerts steve will be yelling at me and stuff oh i'm sorry i, I haven't seen it i, <laughs> I just i want to enjoy it when i'm when I, when I watch it well what would you do if finding yourself in the multiverse have you ever wondered what the world would be like if there was another you identical to you in every way they live on a blue-green planet called Earth, which itself resides in a solar system of eight planets orbiting a star called the sun Actually, this person has had exactly the same life experiences as you, but perhaps at this exact moment in time, they make a decision that you choose not to. The idea of a doppelganger is a bizarre one, and one that seems completely impossible. But in fact, if you accept today's most popular cosmological model, then you have to accept that there is an exact copy of you somewhere out there in space. Paraphrasing the cosmo cosmologist Max Tegmark, sometimes we just have to live with the implausible. 
This model states that a short time period after the Big Bang Theory, the universe went through a stage of inflation, exponential expansion where space expanded faster than the speed of light. The idea of inflation solves many of our problems, including the isotropy of the universe and why the cosmic microwave background radiation is evenly distributed throughout the universe. However, this theory does throw up some peculiar ideas, one of which is the existence of a multiverse. About 10 to the 30th seconds after the Big Bang, an unimaginably small period of time, the universe was a bubbling soup of quantum fluctuations. These fluctuations were randomly spread across the universe due to the nature of the Big Bang, and so at times, all possible arrangements had a non-zero probability. Quite literally, anything could have come out of this soup. Think of the most peculiar idea of a universe, and that would be possible. However, inflation begins and the universe starts to cool. As the temperature drops, matter clumps together, we get the stars and ta-da, we have the universe that we experience. But if we look back how inflation started, one could assume that it was triggered by a quantum fluctuation. So, it is possible that any of the quantum fluctuations at the beginning of the universe could trigger inflation. Although this may be a huge assumption, one interpretation of quantum mechanics suggests that if something is possible, it happens. So what happens if each of the quantum fluctuations triggers its own inflation, but at slightly different times? We would have universes bubbling up from this quantum soup. Every possible universe would then exist as a bubble in this weird space we call the multiverse. In the simplest model of inflation, this space is infinite, with bubble universes coexisting alongside each other like bubbles in a bath. Wow. Now, but how, but how can the space be infinite? Let's imagine a finite universe. Now, if you travel to the end of the universe, now w- what is there? Is there a sign that says no entry, that this is the end of the universe? <laughs> and nothing exists beyond that point. But what is on the back of that sign? I would still be tempted to look beyond the sign, but in this finite universe, you would see nothing. Nothing is more troubling concept than infinity. To combat this, Einstein postulated that the universe could be finite, but with no end. If the universe was convex in shape, for example, a donut-shaped universe, one could travel along the surface of the donut forever and never get to the edge of the donut. Thus, space could be finite, but with no end. Now, as lovely as this idea is, it turns out that in most recent measurements, that geometry of the universe is actually flat, so one could be pushed to assume that space was infinite. The multiverse is not doomed yet. <clears throat> okay, so space has no end, but, but does stuff. Now, one could assume that matter that matter peters out towards the end of the universe. Then these other bubble universes next to ours would have no matter within them. They would be pretty boring places. Once again, experimental evidence from measurements of the CMB radiation comes to the rescue. Now, in fact, matter seems to be constant throughout our universe, and so it would be logical to assume that matter is just an infinite as space. 
So all the evidence seems to be suggesting that these other universes can exist, but why can't we see them? The human mind can accept the existence of something it can't see. For example, watching a ship sail over the horizon. We know it exists, but we can no longer see it. The idea extends to why we can't see the rest of the multiverse. But this time, instead of the curvature of the Earth being the restriction, it's the speed of light. The universe is approximately 13.8 billion years old. And so light can only have traveled 10 to the 26 power meters in that amount of time. And consequently, the furthest thing we can see in the universe is 10 to the 26 power meters away. The simplest form of cosmological model suggests that your nearest cosmological twin is 10 to the, to the 28th power meters from here. This is a huge number in comparison to the width of the universe we live in and the distance to the farthest thing we can see. Now, this result pretty much assures that we will never see our cosmological twins, but perhaps in millions of years to come, our ancestors will see their twins and maybe even visit them. There is still the hidden problem of infinity, though. Now, what happens if it turns out that space is not infinite, but has some finite size? Still good news for the multiverse. In fact, if one has a universe that is approximately 10 to the 100th or a Googleplex meters in diameter, then the probability of a doppelganger starts to become very large. In a universe of this size, it is almost certain that there is an identical copy of you somewhere out there in the multiverse. The size is called a Hubble volume and is calculated from assuming the universe before inflation and was no hotter than 10 to the 8th degrees Kelvin. This volume contains every possible universe that could have, ar have arisen such an, uh, from such an early universe. And so, if one could travel beyond this distance, then you would start to see the universe repeating. Thus, if you traveled far enough, you would meet your identical self in an identical universe, assuming they decide to stay at home the day and not go out looking for you. It's good, dude. The math on that. Woo! Yeah, that was the fledgling part of our universe, and they were busting out some big numbers. They were. When you get up to a Googleplex... Is that the, is that the highest number? Uh, I think it is. Yeah, I mean... I mean, next to infinity, like... You, yeah, yeah, it's Googleplex. I mean, you can't count to either. Right, so. right. But I think that's the, the highest finite number before infinity. Wow. So if you get to that level of, of magnitude then they're saying the odds that there is an exact replica of you out there grow to be fairly good. Yeah. But unfortunately, we'll never see them. And if you would, that day, the, yourself's probably out looking for you, so you're going to miss them anyway. Unless, and, uh, and there's other concepts out there, and, and if we're talking conceptually, remember when we folded the paper and we did uh, the, yeah. the time travel through portals? Yeah. It, I mean, if you're talking about a place that far away, but there's some type of portal that can take you there, then maybe you could see yourself. Yeah, like in the movie Contact. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was great. Was that Jodie Foster? Yeah, check it out if you haven't seen it. Now, have you ever experienced deja vu? I have. I hate it. I hate it as well. Now, deja vu and the multiverse, they have some theories that intertwine. You want to kick us off here? Okay, so... We've all experienced a sensation called déjà vu. The translation from the French means already seen. You know what I'm talking about. 
when you pause for a minute because something feels so incredibly familiar sometimes, it's as if you have already lived this one particular moment. Every detail is so vivid. You've seen this before. You've experienced this before. That's the curious wonder of deja vu. I fully and completely believe in deja vu because I'm a firm believer in the multiverse theory. I know they exist within one another and are dependent upon each other. And we'll explain why. The multiverse theory is this. Because our universe is simply one of many, the odds that it's simply one of an infinite number of repeating universes is great. Now by this, I mean that there are an infinite number of our experiences being played out at an infinite number of Earths within an infinite number of (laughs) parallel universes surrounding our existence. Now these infinite worlds, similar but not the same as ours, offer each of us our existence, albeit with changes running from slight and subtle (laughs) to drastic. It's like the idea that you're driving your car to a certain destination. If you pause at a stop sign too long, your future changes. If you speed through a yellow light instead of slowing, your future changes. If you turn right instead of left, even though your destination is actually on the right and you eventually get there by turning left, you have changed your future as opposed to the future that you would have had if you had originally turned right. (laughs) Now, you still arrived at the destination, but the future has changed by one degree or another. So if you understand what I mean with regard to the multiverse, then we can logically proceed to the reality of deja vu, which is created by and also in conjunction with the multiverse. That's my favorite part of the podcast right there. (laughs) (laughs) I hope everyone uh, was able to stick with us right there and he didn't glaze over at all. Oh, my gosh. Well, I was going to press through. Deja vu is a direct result of living in a multiverse. Now, I believe it's a breakdown or weakening of the cosmic walls, which separate us from our own existence in the multiverse. Now, the reason the experience of deja vu seems so vivid and real is because it is vivid and real. We've already experienced it in another parallel universe of our existence. I have also come to believe that deja vu can act as a bit of a warning whenever we may get too close to making a stupid decision. Sometimes our parallel lives open up a bit to show us you know, what could have been and allow us our most basic inner function or self-preservation, if you will. Now, while the theory of the multiverse may be debated, their very real experience of deja vu cannot. Everyone has experienced it and felt some recollection so very real that it can't be denied. Now, the multiverse exists on different planes of time, so that the deja vu can be something as recent as five seconds ago or as many as years ago. Now, that is why it's so vivid. So whatever decision you make in your everyday life, that decision has existed and changed multiple times already somewhere out in the multiverse to varying degrees of success and ever-changing outcomes. Somewhere out there is an entirely different you, and occasionally that different you sends the original, or at least we perceive as the original, a message or warning from out in the vast multiverse. You better pay attention. I I do. When, When I get deja vu, it immediately makes me feel like it's a warning. Yeah, it's always one of those things that I don't like because... If I'm with a group of people and I have it and everyone's talking, I immediately have tuned out now. I'm trying to figure out when I experienced this, where, 
why I'm ha- experiencing it right now and was I ever with these people in this situation? It, it does. Just, it makes you think, it makes you focus on that exact moment. It, it almost makes you look around like, uh, you know, is something about to strike me or is what can I do to prevent whatever the warning is from happening? I really, really don't like that. Or maybe show. the warning itself is just, just be paying attention. Just be in the moment. Yeah. Okay. Now, parallel universes, theories, and evidence. Shoot. Is our universe unique? From science fiction to science fact, there is a concept that suggests that there could be other universes besides our own, where all the choices you made in this life played out in alternate realities. The concept is known as the parallel universe and is a facet of the astronomical theory of the multiverse. The idea is pervasive in comic books, video games, television, and movies. Franchises ranging from Buffy the Vampire Slayer to Star Trek to Doctor Who to Digimon use the idea of extended plot lines. There actually is quite a bit of evidence out there for the multiverse. First, it is useful to understand how the universe is believed to have come to about. Arguing for a multiverse... And this is a fact that Foltz had said before. Around 13.8 billion years ago, everything we know in the cosmos was infinitesimally singular. Then, according to the Big Bang Theory, some unknown trigger caused it to expand and inflate in three-dimensional space. As the immense energy of this initial expansion cooled, light began to shine through. Eventually, the small particles began to form into larger pieces of matter we know today, such as galaxies, stars, and planets. One big question with this theory is, are we the only universe out there? With our current technology, we're limited to observations within this universe because the universe is curved and we are inside the fishbowl, unable to see outside of it. There are at least five theories why a multiverse is possible, as a 2012 Space.com article explains. I love these theories too, man. Yeah. um, The first one is uh, infinite universes. Now, we don't know what the shape of space-time is exactly. Now, one prominent theory is that it's flat and goes on forever. Now, this would present the possibility of many universes being out there. But what if the topic in mind, it's possible that universes can start repeating themselves? That's because particles can only be put together in so many ways. More about that in a minute, though. Now, we also have bubble universes. Another theory for multiple universes comes from eternal inflation based on research from Tufts University, Cosmo cosmologist Alexander Vilenkin. When looking at space-time as whole, some areas of space-time inflating like the Big Bang inflated our own universe. Others, however, will keep getting larger. So if we picture our own universe as a bubble, it's sitting in a network of bubble universes of space. What's interesting about this theory is that other universes could have very different laws of physics than our own since they are not linked. Daughter universes, or perhaps Multiple universes can follow the theory of quantum mechanics, how subatomic particles behave. Now, as part of the daughter universe theory, if you follow the laws of probability, it suggests that for every outcome 
that could come from one of your decisions, there would be a range of universes, now each of which saw one outcome come to be. So in one universe, you took a job in China. In another, perhaps you were on your way and your plane landed somewhere different and you decided to stay and so on. Or you could end up with a mathematical universe. Another possible avenue is exploring mathematical universes, which simply put, explain that the structure of mathematics may change depending in which universe you reside. Now, a mathematical structure is something that you can describe in a way that's completely independent of human baggage. Now, a theory proposed by Max Tegmark of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, as quoted in 2012 article, I really believe that there is this universe out there that can exist independently of me that would continue to exist even if there was no humans. Or you could have a parallel universe. And the last but not least of the ideas is parallel universes. Going back to the idea that space-time is flat, the number of possible particle configurations in multiple universes would be, living, would be limited to 10 to 10 to 122 distinct possibilities, to be exact. So with an infinite number of cosmic patches, the particle arrangements within them must repeat infinitely many times over. This means that there are infinitely many parallel universes, cosmic patches exactly the same as others, containing someone exactly like you, as well as patches that differ by just one particle's position, patches that differ by two particles' position, and so on down to the patches that are totally different from, our, from, our, from ours. Now, famous f physicist Stephen Hawking's last paper before his death also dealt with the multiverse. This paper was published in May 2018, just a few months after Hawking's demise, about the theory he told Cambridge University in an interview published in the Washington Post. We are not down to a single unique universe, but our findings imply a significant reduction of the multiverse to a much smaller range of possible universes. That's the one I like the best. Uh, that's Stephen Hawking's last paper where we, we're not down to a single universe in, in his beliefs, but they're down a significantly reduction of multiverses to match a smaller range of possible universes. Right. That, that's the one I like. I like it too. So, arguing against a parallel universe. Not everyone agrees with the parallel universe theory, however. A 2015 article on Medium by astrophysicist Ethan Siegel agreed that space-time could go on forever in theory, but said that there are some limitations with that idea. The key problem is the universe is just under 14 billion years old, so our universe's age itself is obviously not infinite, but a finite amount. This would, simply put, limit the number of possibilities for particles to rearrange themselves, and sadly make it less possible that your alternate self did get on that plane after all to go see China. Also, the expansion at the beginning of the universe took place exponentially because there was so much energy inherent to space itself, he said. But over time, that inflation obviously slowed. Those particles of matter created at the Big Bang are not continuing to expand, he pointed out. Among his conclusion, that means that multiverses would have different rates of inflation and different times, longer or shorter for inflation. The decreases the possibilities of the universe similar to our own. 
Even setting aside issues that there may be an infinite number of possible values for fundamental constants, particles, and interactions, and even setting aside interpretations such as whether the many worlds interpretation actually describes our physical reality, Siegel said. The fact of the matter is that the number of possible outcomes rises so quickly, so much faster than merely exponentially, that unless inflation has been occurring for a truly infinite amount of time, there are no parallel universes identical to this one. But rather than seeing this lack of other universes as a limitation, Siegel instead takes the philosophy that it shows how important it is to celebrate being unique. He advises to make the choices that work for you. Live, live with no regrets. That's because there are no other realities where the choices of your dream self play out. And therefore, are, you are the only person that can affect and make your choices. Very good. I mean, you got to throw that in there at the end because... You got to. All of the other examples were for the multiverse. So, I mean, there's people out there that, that don't believe in it as well. Right. So, what we're going to do uh, to wrap up here is uh, we're going to go over parallel universes in science fiction. Uh, we're going to give you uh, a list of uh, some uh, entertainment movies, magazines, whatever you... And uh, so here we go. And then I will uh, share my story that I had promised from the beginning of the show. I've been thinking about it this whole time. Okay. <laughs> well, Marvel Comics and DC Comics feature stories set in parallel universes that are part of the multiverse. Many anime series such as Digimon, Dragon Ball, and Sonic the Hedgehog feature alternate versions of their characters from other universes. Parallel universes appear in such games as Dungeons and Dragons are Bioshock Infinite and Final Fantasy franchise Half-Life, League of the Legends, Mortal Kombat, and The Legend of Zelda. Now, Flatland, a romance of many dimensions, written in 1884 by Edwin A. Abbott, is a story about two-dimensional world that includes living geometric figures such as circles, triangles, and squares. The novel also includes other universes such as Lineland, Spaceland, and Pointland. This book was adapted into a feature film in 2007. Now, what's weird about this research is Steve was telling me a story about a friend of his that was actually being chased one time, I guess. Was it in a dream, Steve? It, it, was, in a, it was in a reoccurring dream, and he had been getting chased by these circles and triangles and squares and rectangles. And in order to stop the reoccurring dream from happening, he used a method of dreaming called lucid dreaming where he realized that he was in a dream and was able to instead of being chased by these circles and triangles and squares he was able to learn how to to take them in his hands and change them and then juggle them and he was no longer afraid he i mean he was deathly afraid of this reoccurring dream because these triangles were chasing him but he was, he was able to conquer these these shapes and you know what that killed the dream he he no longer had the dream after that and that's crazy cuz steve told me that story and i was like well doesn't that sound like some of the uh information we have for upcoming episode <laughs> and I was like, he said he's being chased by like living geometric figures, circles, triangles, squares. 
I just thought it was crazy that within the same time frame of us getting ready to do this show, you heard that story. I couldn't believe when you put those two things together and linked them. I was like, man, you are 100% right on that one. It's craziness. I like it. Now, Men Like Gods, 1923, an H.G. Wells novel included a paratime machine that explored the multiverse. Chronicles of Narnia. C.S. Lewis book series features several children who uh, who move between our world and the world of Narnia, where they're talking animals. Some of these books were released as feature films. An episode of Star Trek featured a mirror universe in which the characters were more ruthless and warlike. The concept was repeated in nearly every subsequent Star Trek series. In 2003, Star Trek Universe got a reboot in a movie that put the characters from the 1960s original series in an alternate universe. The movie starred Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto and set, of series, and set off a series for Star Trek. Dark Tower by Stephen King series began in 82. Travelers go through portals to different levels of a titular tower, in other words, parallel Earths. Part of the series was adapted into a feature film in 2017. Of course, the Back to the Future movies, where Marty McFly or the McFly family include, include visits to 1885, 1955, and 2015. The second film in particular shows the drawbacks of the alternate reality when one character uses it to get rich by nefarious means. The series starred Michael J. Fox, of course. Now, in his Dark Materials series, Philip Pullman, children move between multiple worlds. The first book, Golden Compass, was adapted in a film in 2007. Sliding Doors, 1998, is a film that showed two parallel universes depending on whether the main character caught on a train or not. It starred Gwyneth Paltrow and John Hanna. Run, Lola, Run, 1998, is a film starring Frank Patenti. The film shows multiple alternatives as woman tries to get 100,000 Deutschmarks in only 20 minutes to save her boyfriend's life. And Timeline by Michael Kreischen follows historians who go back in time to the Middle Ages. It's a great, it's a great movie. I suggest checking it out. Donnie Darko is a film which a high school student finds himself confronted with versions and tries to figure out their meaning. It's with Jake Gyllenhaal. The Long Earth book series, Terry Pratchett and Stephen Baxter, they discuss parallel universes that may be nearly the same as Earth. And of course, the most popular probably to this day right now is the Stranger Things science fiction horror television series that begins with investigation of a young boy's disappearance in a small town. The series includes discussion of an alternate dimension called the Upside Down. And it's cool. It it's, takes place in the 80s. I think everybody's kind of been watching Stranger Things, but it reminds me of growing up in the 80s. Yeah, it was, it's a fantastic series. I'm into it. I love it because probably because of the 80s reference. I think that's how they were able to get the kids of today, plus with the Gen Xers, and bring them in. So, well, as promised... Got a got a story that's you know always been pretty crazy to me. So, uh, back in uh, like 2003 to like 2005, uh, my wife and my two sons and I, who were small at the time, we were living in Hawaii. So on this one particular day, I had to go to the doctor. Now we lived in Waikiki, so we didn't own a car because you could either get around in public transportation or you could uh, you know just simply walk. So on this day, uh, I had walked to the doctor with my, with my youngest son and decided to take the bus on the way home. Now I'm sitting on the bus, just sitting there with my son. My son's maybe, maybe three. And uh, 
this guy comes up to me and I have some I have some tattoos in my arms and he comes up and he starts talking to me about my tattoos. And I'm just like, okay, you know, I'm trying to brush this guy off because, you know, in Hawaii there there can be a lot of people that well, let's just say they've been exposed to the sun too long. <laughs> and uh so he's just making comments and then but then all of a sudden he gets my attention and he was like, "Well, where's your other son?" And I said, oh, I said, you know that I have another son. He was like, yeah. He's like, I watch you guys swimming in the pool all the time, which we lived in a, in a condo complex, which we had a pool right on our floor. We lived on the sixth floor of this condominium. And the, and the guy said, yeah. He was like, I live on the sixth floor. I was just like, oh, okay. I said, I didn't realize. I said, we're in 602. He said, oh, he said, I'm in 605. I said, great. So he said, so then he starts talking to me about lots of different, like, intricate things. He was like, have you ever heard of uh, anyone being able to be bilocational? And I said, well, I've never heard of anyone personally that could do it. I said, I'm aware of what bilocational is. It's being able to be in two different places at once. He's like, yeah. So he says to me, he said, he said, well, I've been known to be able to do that. And I was just like, oh, Okay. And uh, so I'm just kind of looking at him kind of weird. And, and he told me about some other things. He was like, oh, this one time I, I, I turned this lady's uh, plastic necklace in church into gold. And I was like, hey. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just trying to like get back to get back home. So he says to me, now that you know that we both live in the same building, not only the same building, but on the same floor, he was like, I'm going to leave you alone now. He was like, just let me know when we get to your street or get to our street. And I said, no problem. I said, I'll pull the bell on the bus for the both of us. So we're coming down and about 10 minutes pass and I see my stop. I pull the thing, ding, me and my son get up. He says, thank you. So we're going to get off the bus. So we get off the bus together, but now we still got to cross the street to get to, uh, and then walk down the street to get to my condo. So we're just about to cross the street and this guy, this like worker guy, I guess, comes running across. Hey, 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 you can't cross right here. You can't cross right here. And I was like, oh, okay. He was like, just, you know, we got to, we got to fix the, you had to work on something real quick. So I said, fine. So in the meantime, I turned to this guy that was talking to me on the bus and he said, hey, I want to introduce you to my wife. And I was like, okay. So I shook his wife's hand. I shook his hand and I was like, well, I was like, it looks like we're clear to go now. Let's walk across the street. So we walk across the street and uh, I keep walking straight to walk towards the condo. But I see this guy and his wife turn right. I'm thinking to myself, well, why would they go there? They said that they were going home and they live in my building and they live on the same floor. I was like, yeah, well, whatever. So I just keep walking. And as I'm walking down the street, I notice that I'm not recognizing the street, my street. And I'm like, this isn't. This building's not on my street. This building's not on my street. So then I find, I finally, I get down <laughs> to like the middle way between the street and the next road, to, so I can see the street sign. And I read it, and I'm 11 blocks down the road from where I had got off the bus to cross the street to go. I'm 11 blocks from the street that I lived on, which is where I got off the bus. Man, I got off the bus and I let that guy off doesn't stop there so i'm freaked out so now i gotta walk 11 blocks back to my condo so i'm like oh my gosh so i get upstairs and like i said we're in we're in apartment or we're condo 602 
go 602. And I was like, well, let me go see. This guy says he's in 605. The condominiums only go up to 604. So I'm like, oh my gosh. So this guy knew about my other son, says he lived in this building, doesn't, says he always watched us swimming, which, and just like knew all these things. I get off the bus on my street. I turn my back because some guy says you can't cross. He introduces me to my wife when I cross the street. I'm 11 blocks down from where I got off the bus. This guy's talking to me about, do you know anybody that can be bilocational on the bus? All these things are going through my mind. My wife comes home from work. She's like, what's wrong with you? She's like, you're pale as a ghost. I told her the story. She all but started crying because she thought that I was losing it. I was becoming one of those people that has been exposed to too much sun. (laughs) I don't know how to explain it. I don't know what happened. All I know is I got off the bus. Five seconds later, I was 11 blocks down from where I had gotten off the bus. Did you ever see the guy again? Never saw the guy again. Do you think that somehow by getting introduced to his wife, that that could have... That's when things had to have changed. It had to have. Because it it turned my back enough, and I don't know if this worker guy was somehow... He made him in on it. Like, you can't cross right here right now. He was going to show me what being bilocational is all about. He knew. He had that connection with you. Yeah, something. And... uh it was freaky, but it was uh, its one of those experiences that you'll never forget happening. Oh, my gosh, Fultz. I can't, can't even, I don't even have words to explain the, the feeling that, that you must have had then. Yeah, it was just creeped out, trying to figure it out. It's like, why did this happen? Why did he say he lived here? But he knew to say 605, but the condos on each floor only go up to like 604, you know, and they end there. Right, and he knew to say the next one. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, man. So, yeah. So, I never really think I told that story publicly. I know my wife and kids may know it and maybe some family members. But, yeah, crazy story. Don't have an explanation for it other than multiverse, uh, parallel universe, maybe bilocation skills. I don't know. But it happened. And I'll swear on everything that that story is 100% legit. Well, dude, it's a great story, and I definitely appreciate you sharing it with well, us. Well, I, I, I had fun telling it. I had fun with this whole episode tonight. So um, we had a lot of information jam-packed in here for Multiverse. So I uh, hope you enjoyed it. hope you stuck with us this whole time and listened to everything. Um, share this episode with your friends. Talk about Subtle Beast. Get more people involved because... Uh, Let's just <clears throat> the more uh, the more truth that we spread, the the less uh, propaganda that the powers that be can spread over us. So let's spread the message. Let's do this as a team, as a family. We thank you, Steve. I had a lot of fun tonight. It was a great time, man. Until next time, I'm Foltz and I'm Steve, and we'll see you next time. Take care, of one another. Bye bye. <laughs>